Hello, this is Chuck Solomon, and welcome to the Candidate Experience Podcast, where we focus on the job candidate journey from apply to onboard and the space in between. Let's get started. care about the candidate experience, but have you ever wondered exactly how to bring your company to that next level and offer a world-class experience to your candidates? It's not easy. Fortunately, Candidate.FYI can help. Their solution guides candidates through your hiring journey, enhancing transparency and communication at every touchpoint. You'll also gain valuable insights on what's working and what's not with your hiring process. Best of all, it integrates directly with your ATS. Head on over to candidate.fyi and see how to transform your company's candidate experience today. Welcome to the Show Your Work episode where Vern Howard with Hallow is my special guest. Listen to the insights he shares on several important topics, including university recruiting, micro-internships, diversity and inclusion, Gen Z, and employer brand. If you like what you're hearing on this podcast, please subscribe wherever you enjoy podcasts and please share with others. Want to comment, discuss, provide feedback, you can send me a note via LinkedIn or via the contact form on our site, www.thecx.xyz. I thank you for listening, and here's my interview. Hey, Vern, how are you this morning? Great, great, man. How are you doing today? I'm well, thank you. Um, glad to have you here. Um, just as a little background for my listeners, can you tell a little bit of your backstory of how you got into your career? Sure, sure, sure. It's uh I guess it's interesting. I um, I'm I'm from Rochester, New York, which is not regular New York upstate, so no <laughs> joke from any any New York City people. Um, but I, I actually graduated high school at 16 and was really gifted in math. Um, took a year to figure out what I wanted to do. At 16, when you graduate and you're talented in like the hardest subject, you feel like you can just take over the world, which was like my goal, and to get out of Rochester doing so. Um, like a year and a half later, I ended up uh, going to Virginia. Um, and, and studying computer information systems with a concentration in mathematics at Virginia Commonwealth University. In 2012, I graduated and was deciding between whether going to Wall Street or going to work in, in technology. And Capital One actually pitched me like, hey, our competition isn't Morgan Stanley, it's Facebook. And this was like 2012. So fintech wasn't really like a big thing. Um, fast forward now it is, but uh, Capital One was sure. one of the first digital banking solution. Um, joined the team in, in Washington, D.C. and um Built out their first mobile banking application, the native one that everyone uses today. Um, rotated over to being a white hat hacker at Capital One. So got my certified ethical hacker certification and testing with uh, some guys from the NSA and CIA um, in Greenbelt, Maryland, randomly. Um, and was on the team at Capital One to, to kind of hack the web application for mobile banking. And uh, I kind of got like, it's this thing with me where I like, I learned a ton really, really quickly about different subjects and master them and then move on to the next. And at that point, I was like, I want to do something else with my career. So I read 100 books in like 2015. And one was on derivatives trading and, and 
small cap and penny stock trading. Started trading my bonus at Capital One, and I actually was like approached by the guy who ran derivatives, the derivatives trading floor at Capital One. And he hired me to sit on the trading floor, so it was like a wow. whirlwind of a career at Capital One, and and that kind of inspired me to start my company. Was Capital One was actually sending me around the country to talk to students because of the story I just told you. They're like. This kid's 16. Um, he's like from a non-traditional background. He's like running laps around some of the kids we're getting from Stanford. And how do we find more Verns? And I, I saw that it was like a gap in the market where there were more Verns out there. We just weren't tapping into them because they didn't have the information to make better decisions on the Capital One or the JPM route. And then they didn't have the network actually to act on those decisions, like someone to pull their resume and those other kind of things that that I may have constructed in a hacker fashion. So, um, yeah, kind of how I started, you know. Awesome. And and tell listeners what you do now. Right, right, right. So I'm the CEO and co-founder of a company called Hollow, which is right now a data-driven uh, platform that allows candidates to build and track their career journey by joining online events. So what that means essentially is we saw two things in the market, especially at the student and collegiate level, was that, Students could only, they don't know what they don't know, and they could only interact with so many companies, basically what companies come to their campus, right? Which, depending on what school you go to and the brand of that school, might be five companies that you don't want to work at. And right. we noticed that the, the, the two best things about going to like a top-tier university was, yeah, the curriculum for the most part is the same as other universities, but what you're actually paying for is information to make better decisions. You get better access to information, and then you have a better network to act on that information. And I said, well, what if we could build a solution that lets every student have access to that kind of, you know, cycle to say, hey, even if I don't go to a top tier university because maybe I can't afford it or I want to stay close to my family or, or whatever your situation is, um, you would still have that level to, to kind of push your career journey along. And um, since then, we've hosted these online events for companies to interact with any student at uh, 1,200 universities. Um, so we've hosted some of the top companies in the nation um, and, and, and tons of students like in the multi-thousand stuff, yeah. Got you. So you're doing things virtually, so... Yep. Um, and you were doing things virtually before we were in uh, COVID pandemic, correct? <laughs> yeah, yeah. So it's so funny. We always see companies and we're like, we, we didn't just start this. We knew this was going to be a thing. And it's so funny. I don't know how many VCs listen to your show, but it, it was like a thing for me. I, I actually raised uh, some initial capital to build out Hollow in 2017 from uh, the co-founder of Uber and moved to Silicon Valley to build this company out. And, you know, at, at some point I was going to raise more capital and it was tons of VCs that were just like, this isn't going to be a thing. This is going to be a thing. And now we're in this market where like everyone's perspective has changed to say, oh, this is the thing, right? It's just like, right. yeah, we've been here. Yeah. So for sure, we couldn't have planned COVID. And as much damage as COVID has done, I do see a lot of uh, light in the tunnel of COVID where the educational system's being broken down and built back up, which was tied to socioeconomic status, which I don't agree with. And, and diversity is becoming more of a focal topic in, in, in those sure. kind of things. So I, I think there's some positivity in, in the COVID that our eyeballs are locked and our attention's driven to certain places now, um, right. mainly in education. So um, you kind of answered one of my questions about because you're virtual now, but um, you know I was you know wondering you know a decade ago how were students like looking for uh, if you're a junior or a senior in college how how did you seek internships now versus uh, I mean then versus now it's the same uh, right. so what's funny is we're seeing a ton of companies spin up to do these kind of like 
we are the new place that's going to get you a job. And, and in reality, the hidden secret is no one can get you a job, right? You can get yourself a job by being prepared, right? right. And if you, you know, it's like the quote from like whatever athlete, maybe it's LeBron. It's like, if you stay ready, you don't have to get ready. And, and I think that's like a big thing where if you have information access, once you build the network and you already know what's expected of you to work at X brand tech company, um, it, it will feel like the stars aligned because you were prepared, right? And I, I think in the past, the same as now, students would filter into the gyms and go to tables and whichever table had the longest line, that's the company that every student wanted to work at. And it's just every student wouldn't get a job there. So once you didn't get a job at that top tier company, then you had to figure out what you're going to do next. And and I think we're doing the same thing. But what we've noticed uh, just from Hollow alone is job postings actually frighten people because it's a, it's a way to screen people out, right? So you go to job right. postings and it's like, you need 10 years of experience and five years of this and six years of this. And, and in my own story, I was able to prove out that you didn't need any of that. You just needed to sit down with the right person, tell your story. And that person, if they really wanted you to be on their team, they'd find transferable skills from your past experiences that would align to the job that you're going to currently do. So all the jobs that I actually had in my time at Capital One, um, I, I didn't uh, I didn't meet the qualifications for, but I applied. And when I was able to sit down and have a conversation with someone, which is that network that I'm talking about, and I had to, the information access to know what was expected of me, um, I was able to position myself to be the number one candidate for the job. And I think that's the future of what happens, not job postings, but screening people in, not screening them out. Sure. No, I, I totally agree with you that a lot of those – um, you know, must-haves are things to screen people out. And you touched on a hot-button topic for me where, you know, I've, I've seen job requirements that say must-have, uh, and I'm exaggerating here, 10 years of experience in a technology that's only been out for a year. <laughs> so, like, how, yeah. how, do they, how do they find those people with 10 years of experience when something just went uh, live a year ago? I don't know. Um, yeah. It's not possible. So, yeah, awesome. they don't. They don't. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So you work with companies and colleges that are, are trying to improve the candidate experience for for both university internships and hiring. So what kind of challenges do you see there? Yeah, I, I think the biggest thing we've seen uh, on the internship level is that on the internship level is students, one, they're being targeted earlier in the process. Um and we're seeing these things pop up called micro internships where a company can give a student a certain project or a task. Um, and I think this is a, is one of the great equalizers in the system that needs to kind of like blow up. The micro internship will allow a student who might not go to that university that you're used to recruiting from as a company. But if you send a micro internship or a challenge or a case study to certain universities and those students there, you'll actually be able to see that transferable work of like, wow, this, this guy or gal was able to do this case study and they blew it out of the park. Maybe this is someone I need to onboard and talk to about like a full-time employment at a certain point. I think showing your work is just like in math, right? That was like a big thing in math is like, show your work, show your work. It's like, why do you show your work? Because if you show your work, I can actually understand how you think. And most of getting jobs is me understanding how you will think to solve solve a, um, a problem, not so much how you, you know, the answer. And uh, I think that's a great equalizer right now is micro-internships. So that's what we're seeing a ton of companies do. And then as far as full-time employment goes, um, there was this, like, stigma that you needed an internship before you got a full-time role at a company and, and those kind of things. And we're right. seeing that be kind of not the case at all any, any, anymore. We're seeing a ton of students do side projects, though. So 
um, Gen Z is really big on this. Is like they'll have they'll, they'll be working as an English they'll, they'll be studying as an English major, and we see a lot of liberal arts students do this. And you, you go to their GitHub, and they're like churning out you know tens of thousands of lines of code to build like an e-commerce store for their friend and a new blog site and a new widget to do these things. And it's just like wow. So you're studying English, but you're also <laughs> very capable uh, coder and and programmer. And, and some companies they see that, and they're like wow, this is like the dominant and the rough. Um, so it's interesting to see like people doing these side projects, especially in the gig economy now, where you can actually see the holistic view of a candidate and say like, wow, this person is like a leader that can join my organization and get started in just about any role. So, um, exciting time. Yeah, no, interesting. I had uh, not heard that term micro internship. When, when you say yeah. micro, you're meaning like the length of time or the size of the project. Yeah. So, so both, right. So they'll, it'll yeah. be the length of time and maybe, maybe a company, will say, hey, you know, Chuck, we want you to do this uh, cost analysis breakdown on, like, credit scores and, like, how likely people are to pay back their credit in a certain area of Florida. And if you can actually do that and send that project over, maybe they give you a timeline, like, we'll give you 15 to 30 days to complete it. But the fact of the matter is they might, that company may have never visited your university, but that you showing that work and the level of detail you were able to present to them it's like a qualifier. They're just like, oh, right. wow, look what he presented to us. Right. We should continue to have conversation here and see if he can fit into a role somewhere at the organization. And that's the other hidden secret that a lot of people don't know is the for us at Hollow, we never want to take the recruiter's job over because we feel like no one can replace that that uh, hand touch of like being able to fit a certain person in job fit. Right. Sure. But the micro internship will let them screen you in to say, we believe that Chuck can serve. In, in, a, in, a numer- in a numerous amount of roles at Hollow. Now, it's my job as a recruiter to figure out which role he's best in, right? And that's just conversationally talking to you to understand what you want to do and how our goals can align in the middle. But that, that micro-internship of 30 days and that case study of cost analysis is something that lets Chuck get screened in when he may have never gotten screened in with just a regular application or resume. Right. And what I think I heard you just say a few minutes ago is people are – are doing students are doing their own micro internships if they're an English major and then doing some little side project um, and posting it to GitHub, they're so, sort of creating their own. I mean, they're obviously yep. not, not well, they may or may not be getting paid from that. I mean, if you create something that is marketable and sellable and stuff, then you're making money from that. But you're really, um, to use your words, showing your work because in GitHub, yeah. every if you once you make something open, it's open, and a fellow engineer can go ahead and see your work and see your documentation. So, yeah, interesting stuff. Yeah, yeah, no, I think it's exciting times because it's it's becoming this big thing where I'm saying I'm calling it like the great equalizer. Like it's a time now where just you know. Uh, or resurgence of people who may not have had the right connections or enough money, but they could actually do the work. Um, they're they're being able to rise to the top, and, and that's exciting for me. So, because yeah. I was one of those people. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah. You're a great great example of that. So, um, right. switching gears a little bit here, um, there's been a, a greater focus on diversity hiring. It's unfortunate that it took. Um, you know, a, a couple of things that happened, uh, tragic things that happened this spring and summer and stuff for that to sort of get to this impotence. But 
Um, in terms of diversity hiring, you know, what are you seeing? Yeah, I'm seeing. So it's interesting with the diversity hiring because I have two perspectives, right? I have the perspective of like a student at one point looking for a role. And then I have the, the perspective of like that engineer at Capital One that is used to uh, essentially go around and sell it to the community of URMs, right? And, and so what I've seen from both sides is like companies don't really know how to address this. And the biggest right. thing with companies is they, they're using, they're taking darts and throwing them at a wall, right? And so you'll see most diversity budgets are tied to bias training for internal. Um, and, and I think that's like just grace on the surface. I think the biggest thing that companies need to understand is one, there's no silver bullet. Diversity recruiting and, and all this, this stuff has been organic or, or it's been naturally like transactional up until now. So it was right. transactional in the sense of like, oh, we need three women and we need four uh, African-American people. We need three Asian-Americans. You know, it's, it's this literally checkbox thing that people are forced to do. Um, and they're not actually putting an effort into it. It's just more of a like transactional, great, we got it. Let's move back to our regular processes. And what I'm pushing companies to do as we focus on Hollow is just that this is not a checkbox thing. This is not a silver bullet. Much like you handle your KPIs in a business, it's something you're always tracking and measuring to understand what success means. Um, and the biggest thing is like, as we take, take hiring out of the mix, take anything as a human, right? When we're thinking about any other thing in our life, it's started with a conversation and a relationship building of like understanding perspective. And I think that's something that companies haven't taken time to do is like, as I focus on attracting more women into this community of whatever company, how do I build authentic relationships and open that line of communication with more women so that when I hire one female into my organization, she feels included in the organization and that she has a position here that makes uh, her feel empowered so much so that when she goes home for Thanksgiving and Christmas and she's talking to her friends on Twitter, she's actually selling the company and marketing and recruiting for me. Right. And if she can do that and she feels welcome, she will recruit and attract other people like her, which will make my job as a recruiter easier, easier sure. because I don't have to actually go out and do this. My employees, and I think we're in this time now where brand matters so much that recruiting is more of a marketing cycle now where your employees, everyone at the organization is actually recruiting for you. And if you do your job right internally, then externally it will shine and organically more underrepresented minorities, more women, you know, LGBTQ, whatever that goal is for you to remain competitive as an organization, diversity is naturally, it's been proven that it, it will 10x the bottom line. Um, you, it will naturally do that. And I think this natural community building and relationship building is something companies take for granted. And that's why at Hollow, we're like, it's not about the job postings. It's not about all these other things you want to do. Let's let you build authentic relationships in these communities. And then on the metric side of things, we actually pull data around these conversational exchanges between different companies and different groups and different schools and different regions and different genders and races. And, and we actually say, hey, X company, you're trying to attract more of these people. Here's what they actually care about before they click apply. If you know what they care about, then you can tailor your approach better. But right sure. now, everyone's, they don't care what they care about. They're just like, hey, I have a job in a software engineer position. It's 150K uh, base salary. Do you want it or not? And that's not how you do these things, right? You have to actually see what they care about. And if your goal is aligned, then it's a partnership. And I think we're moving into a space where, especially Gen Z, 
Um, what we're noticing is Gen Z for sure. If they don't align with your values as a company, like your brand, then they, they don't care how much you pay them. They will not work for you. Sure. They will not. Um, yeah, you're, you're, yeah. Really, you're really talking about uh, a company's employer brand and, yeah. you know, the, the a company's employer brand, just like their customer brand, it, in order for it to be authentic, um, it, it can't be just what's spun out of the marketing department. It actually has to be what it, what it really is. Um, and every company right. has an employer brand. And to your point where... Um, you know, people that are working for you, um, if you're uh, in authentic company and excuse me, in authentic company, not inauthentic, um, that, that, that resonates with a lot of people. And that if you're not, then, you know, you're going to have a harder time recruiting people to come uh, work for you. And, and I do think to your point that, um, your, your employees are your best like recruiters. <laughs> so, cause they're the ones that are talking about your employer brand when they're, you know, with, with their friends or family or neighbors and stuff. So, um, and, and that's, that has a lot of value. Yep. Yep. And I think it's something that everyone's starting to, starting to like, not only see, I think we, we all knew employer brand was a thing. I mean, it was a, a word that was buzzing for sure in the last five to seven years. Yep. But in this space, we're starting to see this become an actual thing where, you know, companies just like, wow, I offer 10, 10 new undergrads, like new hires, a role at my company. The salary was competitive, was great. Location was great. And they all turned it down. And they said they didn't align with the values of my company. And as, they were, as a recruiter, once you do that, you're like, wow, how much did you spend to actually attract these candidates? for them to turn the role down and for you to have to spend just as much to go back into the talent pool again to find some other people who might do the same thing, right? And, and it, it becomes this point on the company side, like how do I find our super fans, like the people who want to work here and make change in the world at our company? And on the candidate side, it's like, how do I find a place that makes me feel actionalized um, to change the world from my perspective as a, as a, as a new hire? And I think aligning there is, is powerful. Yeah, um, I, I'm I'm in agreement with you for sure. Do you have any tips that you might offer um, HR leaders on how they can improve their company's candidate experience, especially as it relates to uh, college recruiting, university recruiting? Yeah, I, I think the biggest thing that I'm seeing is just uh, one widening the pool of where you're interacting with with students is, is like a big portion of i think that like what's missing uh, a ton of companies they have their regular schedule program it's like hey the, the head of engineering here went to michigan so we're going to go there and right. the biggest secret is like they already know the roi of recruiting and engaging these students they've already hired 10 of them they maybe interviewed 30 if they hired 10 they know that you know they, they kind of know that flow there but if you want to actually reach more talent and one reach that diamond in the rough talent that might 10 extra organization, you're going to have to go places that you haven't gone and do things you haven't done before. It's like the, 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 the capital one recruiters used to say, like, how do we find more Vern's? Right. <laughs> and in, rea in reality, the only way, right. Go to Rochester <laughs> and bring your snow boots. Right. And most companies will never come to Rochester, even though in Rochester, right. Like RIT is like a top technical school and U of R is an right. amazing school too, but it's like, just that travel there, it's not as attractive as saying, hey, you want to go visit USC in LA? For sure, right? You'll go there <laughs> hands down every time. Um, and I think the digital experience for attracting talent is going to be a game changer because it's going to allow you to reach talent across the US 
pull insights from them to understand what they need. And then you understand as an organization what you're looking for to meet in the middle. Um, and then, of course, you do your job as a recruiter to, as I said, you're not screening people out. You're screening them in. You're like, wow, Chuck's perfect for our company. Now let me figure out what role he's actually perfect for within this organization. I think digital is going to be a, it's a game changer. And I think we only scratched the surface right now. Like it's still very early. Um, and we're seeing a ton of companies pop up in this space. So we're excited. Yeah. Good stuff here, Vern. I, um, I appreciate you taking the time to, to talk with me today. If people wanted to get a hold, a hold of you, how, how can they do so? Yeah. So the best thing for us is, is, um, is, you know, me, I'm on LinkedIn. So I accept most of my LinkedIn requests. Um, and, and then just checking out hollow for sure. If you're interested in a demo or if you're a student and you want to sign up, it's free. Um, so uh, just hollowthere.com, um, and I look forward to connecting with, with some of your uh, listeners. Thanks so much, Chuck. Thanks, Vern. I appreciate your time today. Thanks for listening to the Candidate Experience Podcast. You can reach out to us via our website, thecx.xyz. That's T-H-E-C-X dot X-Y-Z.